Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode 9. We're talking Veronica Mars. This is Ali Matu. And H.A. Conrad. How's it going, H.A.? It's going really well. Um, you know, hanging out there. Had a pretty good start of the weekend. Watching, gotta... watching the film we were going to review today. Yeah, me too. And I got to say, I was um, at a pretty, uh, pretty good brunch today, and um, they were playing the Veronica Mars theme <laughs> on at the restaurant, which is pretty awesome. Um, so today we're talking Veronica Mars, um, the, the brand new film, and we're going to kind of dilly-dabble into a little history of the character as well. Um, pretty, pretty cool crossover today. What are we doing, Conrad? We are doing Veronica Mars versus Buffy Summers. Bum, so, bum, bum. Wait, wait, that's not how the show starts. How did the, the Buffy theme song goes? It's like... Do, do oh really are we going to sing the do, theme do, we're not seeing the theme it's by the nerf herders people know the buffy theme we're not going to ruin it here okay, it's it's awesome i wanted to like do it right here but i couldn't i can't do the theme i don't okay anyways we've got a cool top five today as well uh in keeping with the theme of veronica mars we're going to be talking about top five television shows to films yes um which is hard it's a pretty big list, so... Uh, it, it's a big list, but we have limited ourselves to five and then two honorable mentions, correct? Yes, thanks to some feedback from some of our loyal listeners. We're cutting down the honorable mentions a bit. <laughs> significantly. <laughs> yeah, significantly. I think the detective episode, we had like 40 honorable mentions. But, you know, I think it's great. The good thing about the top five list is that I really love to hear what other people would put in their top five. So yeah. appreciate we've been that getting, feedback. We've been getting some great discussions going off that. So let's start at the beginning. Um Conrad, how'd you get exposed to Veronica Mars? You know, I it was one of those TV shows that I actually did not watch while it was airing. A friend, several different friends of mine mentioned that I would really like the show. And it was one of those things, not that I was resistant to it, I just didn't know enough about it. And I feel like I had the flu or something, and it was, this is when it was still on Netflix. Um, and I remember, I'm pretty sure I had the flu, and I was just like, oh this is a great show. And I started just watching, I binge watched it basically. Um, and it was, it was really compelling. It's a little bit soap opery. It can be a little teen angsty, but you know, I'm okay with that too. Um, but what I really liked about it was that it had this, um, the lead was a, a female character. I also think, uh, Kristen Bell in as Veronica Mars is really endearing and believable. Yeah. And no. fun. And she kind of says all she says all the comebacks that you wish you could say <laughs> in <Yeah>. like <laughs> in bad situations. So um, so I just really enjoyed the show. I thought it was for the for the time it was, it was really addressing a lot of uh, pretty adult themes for a kid in high school. And it's one of those things where I think people don't give kids enough credit. And it, it was just kind of a cool concept. And the writing was very good. At least for the, you know, I would, I will say the first season was the strongest and then slowly declines the second, the, the last two seasons. So I, I never watched it when it aired. Um, 
it was actually uh, it was playing and a a good friend of mine at the time was really into Veronica Mars and she was trying to really encourage me to watch the show but uh, she gave me a few recommendations prior to that for shows that um, I thought were pretty crappy so <laughs> the the harder she tried <laughs> to get me into Veronica Mars the more I pushed back against it um, which is kind of a bummer. We we kind of had a falling out over TV recommendations. I mean, we were like we were like still friends, but we I totally didn't buy her TV recommendations. And then we kind of bonded over Firefly and saw the movie Serenity when that came out. So we kind of made up after that. But you know, I avoided it. Um, I never saw it when it was um, on demand and on Netflix and all of that. And honestly, I've seen probably five episodes of the tv show and i reviewed it a little bit in preparation um for watching the movie but i uh, i know very little about the character beyond what i've read but from what i from what i read i really regret not watching the show it 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 sounds pretty pretty darn cool um these kind of longer uh kind of film noir type stories um some of the issues it dealt with some of the uh, the ways it focused on class and politics and race. Um, also within school, like bullying and, and like the weird dynamics, the things that happen in high school with popularity and rumors and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it it delved into a lot of important issues of, of the time. And, you know, I, I read that a lot of people really liked how it – you know, it didn't necessarily use violence uh, to solve all the problems. And it was it was this female lead who's smart, who um, was tech savvy, who could uh, navigate her way around lots of pretty complicated situations. Um, and you're right. I heard that season one was a lot better in season two, two or three. But there's not a lot of characters like Veronica Mars on TV. No. And, and one of the reasons I'm sad I didn't watch it is, um, and we're going to get into the movie, but she's a strong female lead. And we haven't had a lot of strong female re- leads in a long time. Well, and then the other thing that just really I loved about the show is uh, Veronica Mars, her relationship with her father, Keith yeah. Mars. Um, yep. They have a lot of trust between them. I mean, there are certain things that happen and, and they definitely work through some issues together. But it's a relationship that I think is enviable. Um, He treats her like the smart person that she is. And so kind of gives her a pretty, I mean, mean, there's there's certainly times when he gets upset and there are things that happen where he worries and tries to be protective of her. But overall, he generally trusts her judgment. Yeah. In a lot of situations where you could see parents not or or parents bring down the hammer and they have very adult conversations with each other um, and very caring conversations. And it's it's a, a really nice relationship to see on TV between like a teenager and a parent, which yeah. I don't think it's a very positive relationship, I think, so. which is pretty rare. Uh, and, you know, th- so the show did have some fumbles um, from what I from what I read. It sounds like. Now, I'd be interested in your take on this, but it sounds like it it tried to tackle a lot of sexual violence and there was a rape storyline. It sounds like the show didn't handle that too well. Um, It could have handled it better, definitely. Um, But I also think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, in terms of writing for for teenagers and things like that, I think it handled it better than some other shows I have seen out there. Mm. Um, It did get a little bit 
um, like I don't want to call it soap opera y, but it did kind of get soap opera y, and it brought in different. There was there was a possible incest piece to it too, <laughs> which hmm. I think you know if you're going to tackle that issue, you should tackle that issue and not bring a lot of other stuff into it. Hmm. Um, to you know, like I don't want to I don't want to say sort of mess up what the questions were about this particular scene. Um, but the one thing that I did think was interesting is that, and, and realistic in how that they handled it is that basically, um, and spoilers for those who have not seen this show. Uh, we, we, we should probably mention that we're going to be spoiling the, the show and the movie. Yeah. 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 So stop listening and watch <laughs> these things if you would like to. Pause. Pause. Watch the whole show. Come back and play. So, um, <laughs> in any case, the things that happen to Veronica, she basically gets roofied and and raped at a party that she's at. And instead of getting the support of a lot of the people that have been around her, she's been a popular girl and there's been other stuff, you know, kind of flowing around and things like that. Like this thing happens to her and suddenly like she is turned upon by a lot of people and there's like rumors flying in and some of how some of why she is doing the things that she's doing which is solving her best friend's murder Mm -hmm. is also because she's been put into this really kind of awful position um of being this uh, like like people talking a lot about her and you know this is actually where something some interactions between her father and her come into play and you know, you could see a lot of parents acting horribly in this situation, and her dad instead is extraordinarily understanding and kind. Um, so, so it really sounds like we can't say that this is all they, they handle this all well or or poorly. There's like part of having not really seen the show in depth. It it's interesting, and I, I applaud their decision to try to tackle on some of these topics that aren't really addressed um, when it comes to. Um, sexual violence and rape and date rape and a lot of these issues that happen, but you just don't see them on television. And at the same time, it sounds like it, they could have been dealt with in a, in a, in a more, I don't know, nuanced way. It sounds like, I guess, but I mean, part of like the, I mean, one of her, one of the main characters, like her drive is basically because she was roofied and drugged. She doesn't know who raped her, but she knows she was raped. Um, and so that kind of carries the storyline. Um, and it's, you know, it, you know, she she doesn't I mean, the one thing I like about it is that she she deals with a lot of people. And, and I hate to say it, but, you know, sometimes people act this way um, when not when people have been raped and have have gone through this. You hear a lot about victims basically feeling like they're traumatized all over again during the process of of bringing the perpetrator to justice or not being believed. And, you know, in the character, Veronica goes and she tries to report this at the police station. She gets, they pretty much laugh her out of the whole office and, like, treat treat her horribly. Um, And it's a pretty horrible scene to to see this. Um, But she doesn't... She doesn't ever feel like she was to blame for this, which I think is a pretty a, a good way to handle it. Like she never acts like a victim, mm. um, and doesn't act like she's the one to blame. She doesn't, you, you know. So, so I think that there are certain things about it that, yeah, it gets a little weird. But I think overall, the way they handled it is better than I've seen 
um, I've seen handled in other shows. And it, it's speaking to some of the issues of how difficult it is um, as someone who's experienced these type of things to to go to the authorities or to talk about it and um, some of the double standards that we have around sexual behavior. And um, so it, it seems like the show was I mean, I can't think of many other shows that would even take on these types of topics. Well, and, you know, they really she becomes much more empowered as a character. And she basically is like, OK, I know this happened and I'm going to figure out what um, like who did this to me and basically make that person bring that person to justice. And so, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have that much of an issue, and I think that it's a pretty difficult and touchy issue to deal with overall. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it's sort of like the, the Latino biker gang. They're, they're, yeah. uh, they're a stereotype, and at the same time, they really humanize uh, the leader of this biker gang and becomes much more of a complicated character on the show. So it, there's we can't say it's all good or all bad. Uh, it's complicated. But speaking of complicated, it seems like getting into season three, they really change a lot of aspects of the show. Veronica goes to college. There's new characters. Instead of a large season arc, there smaller mysteries and it seems like while season one and two were critical season one especially was critically beloved they never really got the ratings they needed and going into season three was their last attempt to try to shake up the show get more ratings and it seems like that just didn't work yeah um it didn't and it gets more and more soap opera-y a little bit more, you know, not it. I mean, and it's not I, I get what they were trying to do and I get what happened. But, you know, it reminds me of some other shows when they're, you know, trying to move out of whatever storyline and they just can't quite bring it back to the level it was. Um, yeah, I guess. Um it reminded me of of what happened with Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, yeah. And it's like you try to make I don't know. It, it was. And I also think maybe. The creators of the show had a very solid idea of where they wanted the main storyline, the initial storyline to go. And then when it went there and certain things were solved, it wasn't they just didn't know quite where to go next. And that's a little bit what it felt like, too. And there's competing demands here. I mean, the show started at UPN, UPN and WB then merged to CW, which producers you know, were you, hired and fired. You saw you saw that with, you know, interestingly enough, you saw that with Buffy. Um, yeah, and yeah. you know it's an interesting thing when you switch networks or when things like that happen. That you know there are different demands being made, um, and sometimes the shows suffer for it. And I think that it, that was definitely true here. So the show went off the air, and it it seems like that last episode left off without really a major conclusion to the show. It kind of left the fans in a bit of wanting more and wanting more answers as to what's well, happened. I don't think they just wanted more. I think they wanted the third season to be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just was kind of a lukewarm, I don't know, just a very, I don't know. It, it was just a, it, it was just a very sad ending. I also think that, you know, similar to what we've seen with other shows. So the, you know, Veronica Mars starts out the first season in high school and, I think this is also something that different shows have to deal with. Again, Buffy dealt with this too, and we've seen other shows, but the, when the characters move on to college, it's also... Yeah, that's, that's like, always tough. It's always a tough transition, and it's like, how do yeah. we how do we change this into something that people will still watch? I don't know. 
I mean, it's making me think of Saved by the Bell, the college year. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's sort of... <laughs> and it, Smallville as well. Well, and, you know, let's let's be realistic about this. You know, you have characters that have, have made up a series, people fall in love with those characters, how you transition them to college and convincingly have them still hang around together. They almost always are able to go back to their hometown super easily yeah. and... They're like, they never really go to college that far away. And it just. Well, and with Buffy, it, you know, she kind of had to stay near the town because that was a hellmouth, So that made sense. But having some of the other people stay with her didn't necessarily make all that much sense. So yeah. I don't know. It, it, like, I think that this is a struggle for any show like this um, when you're. And it's also obvious that your characters are aging, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you can only look 16 <laughs> for so long. So it. It. It is canceled after three seasons. Mm -hmm. And then so many years later, it comes back as a Kickstarter. And I think that's one of the most fascinating parts of this whole story is what happened with the Veronica Mars movie project Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, basically, Rob Thomas, uh, who is the creator and writer of the show, and Kristen Bell um, basically uh, launched and um, were beyond successful like i don't i honestly think that they may even have been surprised (laughs) at what happened here but basically they said look you know we know that this last show aired in 2007 um you know but the the fan base was just so rabid and they had some other stories i guess that they wanted to tell that they weren't able to wrap up or they, he wasn't finished telling the story about Veronica. Mm-hmm. And maybe he felt also like he wanted to um, wrap up that character on a high note as opposed to where... And I, don't think that, I don't think that he was happy where it ended. I can't only imagine... I, I can't imagine that he could have been. Um, but in any case, basically, they, they said, okay, we'd like to do a movie. We can't get funding... Like, nobody wants to really fund this, but let's see what, what Kickstarter can do. And they actually just, um, did they break a record, I think? They did break a record. I think it was the highest uh, funded at that time. Um, they were looking for $2 million. That was what, what they needed. And they got um, $5.7 from 91,585 backers. Well, and you know what? To be honest with me, uh, with me, with you even, <laughs> um, I just think that it's one of those shows that just the fan base just keeps talking about it, keeps convincing people to watch it. Um, Although it's no longer on Netflix, I think it is on Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon streaming if you have a Prime account for free. Um, But, you know, it's one of those sort of, like, storylines and characters that just really resonated with people. Um, Have you ever seen the show um, Chuck? Uh, A a few episodes while it was still on the air, yeah. Um, And then also Freaks and Geeks, but it's like these shows with... These, you know, didn't didn't. Well, Chuck actually ended up staying on like many, many seasons, and it was, on it was for a, a few seasons. And it was a little surprising that it had the legs that it did. But um, I think this is just one of those shows that people really enjoyed watching. And honestly, I think people really like seeing this main character kick ass, and she did. So, well, and it's it's interesting as um, as it relates to Kickstarter and this way of 
funding. There's uh, there's a great article from uh, New York Times about why would you ever give money through Kickstarter? And you know, some people have said, well, um, it, it doesn't really make sense because you don't have to donate. You can just wait for the thing to come out and then you can buy it or things like that. But what's interesting about Kickstarter is if if not enough people donate the project doesn't exist and it doesn't go anywhere and you know there have been some projects that people donated to and they never really panned out um but this movie wasn't going to be made if the fans didn't donate money That's- right and i think that this is a little different than i don't know there's there's been a couple projects i've seen out there that i'm kind of like eh, i'm not sure that that's such a great idea mm-hmm. um um you know zach braff did something um he did something similar mm-hmm. and i think that the difference there is that this film was or this idea was shopped around and nobody wanted to touch it and so unless you do this you're not going to get this made well and and the way that most movies get made is there's a story there's a script and you have to pitch it to producers and studios who are basically saying that we're going to put in the money and we're going to roll the dice there's going to be a gamble here that this movie will make back more than what it costs and usually what's happening there is a bit of just a a guesstimation of how much these movies have done well in the past, the quality of the script, the market potential for it. And what Kickstarter allowed Veronica Mars to do, the movie, is to say, well, there is an audience here and at least enough people that are going to want to see it that will kind of pay for the movie itself. So let's Let's kind of do it. Let's see what happens. And what I think is really interesting is it sort of taps into some of the psychology of altruism and gift giving. And it's got a lot in common with uh, why people help. You know, it. Um, you basically need three things. You need to see some type of urgent need. You need to feel a responsibility to another person. And you need to see a clear course of, of action, something you can do to help someone else. And I think that's exactly what happened here with the Kickstarter. They made an amazingly awesome video that created that sort of emotional uh, desire to uh, to donate. It was very easy to donate. You, you're able to, like if you donated like 10 or $25, or $25 got you like uh, um, like a digital version or well, right. And you, so that's the thing. You're kind of already, you're paying in advance for what you would have paid for anyway. Cause you're a fan. Yeah. Um, I also think that they, the, the sorts of prizes that were involved, that got the fans involved and, you know, they really made people feel like part of the team. Yeah. And that feels good. It feels good to help out something that you care about. It's, it's kind of like, um, I mean, it's it's a few steps more advanced than what PBS has done yeah, no, <laughs> in the past. And, um, you know, I've, I didn't donate to this Kickstarter because I, I didn't really I wasn't a fan of Veronica Mars, not because I was I didn't like it, but because I just didn't really get exposed to it too much. But I've donated to other Kickstarters and it, it just, you know, it feels good to support something that you care about. And we've also seen the effect that it's had on the crew. Um, Chris Lowell, one of the um, actors, he sent out a tweet that said, uh, thank you to all 91,000 bosses for giving me a job. I love you guys. And in the end credits of the movie, it says this movie would never have been possible without the endless faith and support of our fans around the world. Mm -hmm. And especially the 91,585 backers who pledged to Kickstarter to bring Veronica back to life. Thank you for never giving up and for helping us to do the impossible. 
Right. There's actually um, a great interview with Rob Thomas on NPR. Um, I don't. Did you get to listen to that? I didn't. We yeah. should add it into our show notes. But I mean, he talks a lot about that and and talks about how exhausting it is because I mean the. the you know, they, they, for depending on what level you were donating, you would get a signed poster and whatever. And I think in the, within the interview, he says that, um, he had to sign like, uh, like 5,500 posters oh or something crazy. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think that, um, it is a lot of work to do this kind of thing with this with this kind of backing like yes there are it means that you do have to please a lot more people but i also think that in some ways this is crowd directed entertainment too and mm-hmm. if this is what the audience would want to see like certain things would never make it to the screen and i mean obviously and we've talked about this before but serenity um which was the continue the the film that was made because their rabid fan base basically felt like Firefly was ended too quickly. Yeah, um, and the DVD sales for Firefly and the attention and the community right, that came around it was huge. It was huge. Um, not not Kickstarter because it was like pre-Kickstarter time, but Joss Whedon was basically able to go to these studios and be like, hey guys, look at this. Look at this fan following. Look at what's built in. And they got that film made. Yeah, um, yeah. And, 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 but I think that that is, I mean, that's still at the time and even now was kind of it was a total rarity right yeah no so. it and what's interesting too is how it changed what the film became um in one of the interviews i did read uh, with the director he, he talks about how the original story was for for veronica to be a, a young fbi agent mm-hmm. but he couldn't figure out a way to bring wallace and mac into the story that way so he abandoned the whole fbi idea and try to create a story where it would get back to all the characters that the fans loved. Because he wrote, quote, because if the fans are going to pay for a movie, I want them to see the characters they love. Right. Which is so cool. Although it's- they didn't bring back the, the old boyfriend guy, but that's okay, because I think that they... Uh- they kind of wrote him out pretty deliberately. <laughs> Not Logan, the other old boyfriend. So... Dunk, well, that's Duncan. Um, so, you know, and and that's OK. Although- I think this is a, it's a really cool experiment in making movies. And this kind of ties into the movie about how it has been released. And it's it's something that um, came out day one video on demand. Um, mm-hmm. You could get it on pretty much anywhere you can buy movies online. And also the studios um, had it in, I think, 200 and... 200 and something screens, um, 291 theaters. That's right. Um, that's a really interesting way of releasing a film as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think more and more as we see people's access to different things, um, this is going to be more of a reality. And I love seeing movies in the theater, but I also like having access to things at home. Yep. Or on my tablet or on my laptop. You know what I mean? Like yep. to be able to have the flexibility to watch whatever you want whenever. I think that that's something that studios are going to have to figure out. And I think that it was actually a very smart thing for them to do here. How how did you end up watching Veronica Mars? Um, well, we have a projector. So, you know, I rented it from Amazon Prime and yep. we watched it. Um, and I watched it on my um 
um, iPad mini, so on a much smaller screen. Yeah. Well, um, you know, once you get a projector, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> hard to go back. We watch pretty much everything on the projector, um, well, and, which, which spoiled, I admit, it, it, it has spoiled us tremendously. So, I had the option of watching it on my, on my larger TV, but... Um, I mean, that's the thing about this movie. If this was a movie that I was really watching for the cinematography and um, I wanted the big screen experience and the crowd experience, I would have probably gone to a movie theater. But I like that I had all these options and I could watch it in any way I wanted to to uh, consume. Um, So what was your take on the movie? Um, You know what? I think that they did a good job because they didn't try to... um, it, it, to me, it felt like an extended episode of Veronica Mars, which I think is honestly the best way to handle this. Um, it, they wrapped up a lot of the storylines or actually checked in with the storylines of the characters that you wanted to see. Um, I still think Kristen Bell is amazing. Um, and I still think that they handled the characters in a smart way. And they didn't they didn't try to basically keep them molded into the same people exactly that they were from mm-hmm. um from when you last saw them in high school they've progressed they've gone on to do different things some of them are still struggling with certain issues but it was a realistic evolution i guess is the way to put it there was a lot um a lot i liked about the film and again i'm coming from it more as someone who would kind of be walking into the movie theater not really knowing too much about the character. Um, I mean, I, I knew more because I knew we were doing this episode, so I did my prep. Um, but I, I like how contemporary it was. Um, I like that they mention Kickstarter. I like mm-hmm. that Ira Glass and This American Life is in there. Yep. Um, I like how they mention things like Etsy and um, James Franco has has a cameo and it's hilarious. Um, All of those things were 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 pretty cool to me. It it felt very fresh. And at first I I was afraid that the show might be kind of stuck in the um, in the 2000s when it was kind of filmed in that sort of. Uh, way of I don't know being um, and it wasn't it felt very modern there's that great scene where the uh, the police um, headed by uh, was it Jerry O'Connell yes uh, I love playing that. I a love bad that. guy which is like <laughs> oh really Jerry oh I like it I like it um, he was a cool character and so there's that scene of police br- brutality and um, Veronica's dad kind of films it uploads it to YouTube and so it, it got at some of the more contemporary issues that are around. Um, I mean, just, just a week or two ago, I was taking a random picture in Manhattan and the city employee was kind of bullying me for taking that picture, even though I was in public space. So it it was tapping into some of these very contemporary ideas and issues Mm -hmm. and it felt very fresh. And I like that a lot. Um, and it kind of, to me, yes, it's got this larger mystery trying to solve. And to me, it felt like, I think it probably felt like what would have been a season of Veronica Mars squished into a movie mm. um, as opposed to like a couple episodes. Um, so to me, it really felt like um, what would have been a larger season of uh, Veronica Mars squished down into two hours. Um, but the main and it had the whole mystery, which I liked. I I, I liked seeing that mystery um, mystery solve itself. But to me, the story really comes down to this whole idea of um, – 
can you go home again? And um, can she sort of escape this life and does she want to? And sort of those ideas. And I liked that as someone who doesn't, who isn't as familiar with uh, the character, I could definitely relate to those ideas. Um, and, you know, it's like 10 years post high school graduation for her, I think, in the storyline. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit older than the characters, but I, I could relate to that time in my life as well. So it, it definitely resonated with me as someone who isn't a huge fan. Now, I didn't get all the references or all the characters, but I still very much enjoyed that story. Yeah, and it was one thing I was thinking watching the film is that they really just didn't give you that much background. They pretty much just expected you to take it at face value. And there's like there's obviously a lot of, you know, mentions that the fans will get that people who have not watched the series will not get. Um, Fans of the show are called marshmallows, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't get the what's the origin of that? Because she mentions doesn't she say like I'm a marshmallow right in the prologue? Yeah, but um, it's, you know, because Mars marshmallow. Uh, all right. You get it. Yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> I thought there was something like more to it. than. Well, I mean, I mean, she obviously references it, but it's one of those things like, you know, that's like a wink at the audience kind of thing, I guess. And yeah. and it's also, you know, like it just makes me think of other like, oh, like um, like Firefly fans call themselves brown coats, brown coats and things yeah. like that. So. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I disagree with you a little bit. I thought the prologue did a good job of giving me enough review of what I need to. Um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get all the characters, but that's okay. I, I never felt like I was struggling to keep up with what was happening. The, those first five minutes got me up to speed. And in some ways, it kind of reminded me of um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, where uh, the very first few minutes um, it, it refreshes you on, on what happened at the end of Wrath of Khan, and mm-hmm. it gives you just enough you need. Now you won't get all the nods, all the winks, and all the characters, but enough for you to be able to enjoy the larger storyline. And I, I felt like I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's what I think. Um, you know, um, you know. The whole marshmallow thing, like when she says that in the actual film, I mean, she she indicates that she's like, you know, that's a kick out to the fans. But in her in the pilot, she had said she's a big softy. That's my guess what that reference uh, was. Yeah. But it's, you know, one of those things. Um, and I think that if you if you want to get that stuff and go back and watch the, the show, I think that that's actually what they're hoping people will do. Yeah, and there's enough that it doesn't spoil all the stuff that happened in the show. Right. Um, so th- they balance that very well, where they introduce you to the character, but they don't give away the show so you can go back and watch it. That was an, a very uh, ninja move on their behalf. Right. Um, so overall, I mean, I think I really, en- not I think, I did really enjoy it. What I think is that people will also enjoy it. I don't know that you necessarily have to have watched the series, but what I think it will do is make people go back and watch the series. And I think that that is very, very good for that's Rob a Thomas. Good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing for Rob Thomas. It's a good thing for the show. Um, I've got two, I got two bones to pick Conrad. Okay. All right. Um, bone number one to pick. Um, I really didn't think the stakes were that high. Um, for, for a film, I think it needs to have the character needs to go through a major arc. And um, I think the the idea here was 
you know, the high school reunion and going back and kind of facing these characters in real time, kind of as if aged and all of that. Um, but I, I didn't really think there was there are huge stakes at play here, which made it feel more like an extended episode than, well, than a theatrical film. I think that may have been why. Um, and I think that that is what they were going for. I, I do agree with you, actually. It did feel a little weak on the stakes and of things. And I also think that it wasn't completely obvious um, how, uh, I don't want to say dissatisfied, but... You know, basically, at the beginning of the film, we see Veronica interviewing with a law firm. Yeah. Because this is her new life. Yep. She's no longer a cutting-edge private investigator. She's left it behind. She's no longer not playing by the rules. She is definitely playing by all the rules and and by all count, and has a great boyfriend, Piz, who people may remember. Um, and if you watch the show, um, she's basically in this... I don't want to call it a respectable life, but that is what it is purported to be. And, you know, even her dad keeps making these comments like you got out of Neptune and you didn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't get this sense from her that she's dissatisfied that much. Um, the only thing that you see is that she just keeps not wanting to leave Neptune. Yeah. And I guess you're supposed to assume that this is more because of Logan, who she can never quite give up. Um, and he's her former flame. And, you know. I, I think that some of it is, you know, in some ways it's her coming to terms with who she actually is and, and realizing who she is and what she wants, but it doesn't feel... Authentic? Not not authentic. That's not the word. Um, I mean, part of what I think I loved about the series is that, at least especially the first season, is it did feel like those stakes were high. Uh, you, you did feel like these were really serious situations you felt like i mean even in some of the scenes in the movie there's some really brutal things that happen and and they happen and then you're like oh like they're it but they don't you know maybe perhaps perhaps they're looking to do another film out of this but there's a couple storylines that to me are not wrapped up satisfactorily uh like the, the whole thing with the corrupt sheriff's department kind of just gets sort of a small mention at the end that it gets wrapped up. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not it's not satisfying enough to me. And I agree. And I think part of it is because you're correct. I don't think that the at least how it's purported, I don't think those stakes are high enough. Well, and, you know, I think most people watching the movie knew she's not going to accept Jamie Lee Curtis's job. It's <laughs> that's pretty much what's going to happen, that she's going to get kind of. Uh, she's going to come back uh, to Neptune. She's going to take the job with the dad. Um, so, but you know, it, does this matter? Cause I don't know because it was still show, satisfying to watch it. It was still good was to see st- those yeah. characters. It was see, it was good to see, you know, what happened with them. If anything, I think I was a little disappointed that Mac didn't have more screen time because yeah. she was one of my favorite. She was like this great character on the show, um, and. You know, I I mean, I think that they they were playing to fan favorites. Like everybody loved well, the Logan and Veronica, and that's the thing energy. Is- and and even when you know, it, for for those fans who watched the show, it was it was so satisfying when when Logan and Veronica finally got together because there was such like tension between them. And I think they were trying to replay that a little bit. Um, and and that's the thing. I, I'm totally fine with that. They The fans were the producers of the film. And yeah. so 
the fact that it does uh, satisfy and it is satisfying to fans and as I can attest to is also satisfying to non fans or does create new fans. That's great. You know, I, I, I'm totally fine with that. Um, the other issue that which is very much related to what we're talking about is um, how this is a larger soapbox or this might be another episode, but the whole idea of quote unquote fan service. Mm. And I don't mean this in terms of the more explicit anime <laughs> definition of flashing of nudity and all of that. I mean, this more in terms of um, how Star Trek Into Darkness was criticized um, and how Veronica Mars is to a degree being criticized as uh, and I, I haven't heard a good operational definition of what fan service is. So anyone who's listening, please let me know. But I guess the idea is basically that you're throwing things in there for fans of the show. Which, why is that a bad thing? I, I don't understand. Well, and especially because this, I, I think it, if, if if it's to the point where the rest people who haven't watched these or aren't fans cannot become fans easily or don't get the inside joke, maybe that's when it goes over the top. But I actually think that that's part of what makes it fun watching these shows is that you do have that knowledge of what, you know, when a character makes a reference to something, it's, it's something that kind of gives you a little bit of nostalgia and you're like oh how cute you know so i don't think that there's a big problem with it i think there's a problem when the narrative becomes totally um un you know unaccessible to those who haven't been familiar with the show before I mean, but so then you're getting into sort of Doctor Who territory sometimes right. and, and that kind of thing. But even then, you can judge a, you can judge something based on whether or not it's a good story and if, if it's compelling. And um, I, all those people that complain about, oh, there's too much fan service in here and there. I, I just don't get it. If it's a good story and it works, I don't care if I'm missing a nod here or there to fans. Um, it it's if it's a good story it's a good story right. um uh, you know and this is where i must stop because i will get on my soapbox but <laughs> you know people complain about star trek into darkness and i'm like you know look at star trek for the voyage home that was like there was a ton of fan service in oh, there yeah. And the film was incredibly massively popular. So um, to those who are complaining about fan service in Veronica Mars, you know, I I really don't think it is a movie that only works for fans. I think anyone who, you know, people who enjoyed our uh, detectives episode and enjoy Sherlock, I think you'll enjoy this show uh, or this film. Um, I think it's a it's a good murder mystery show or story. And it it speaks to some of those ideas of. of kind of coming back to your hometown and what happens and can you escape some of the stuff. So I enjoyed it. I did too. And, you know, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think I want to watch it one more time, but I, uh, I definitely, it made me actually want to watch, um, you know, binge watch again, I suppose. <laughs> well, and it, you know, it, there were, they've handled the release pretty well too. There were some problems that people had downloading and Warner brothers did a great job of responding to that and, um, letting people, they told people who, who couldn't download it, um, buy it somewhere else and we'll give you a, a refund and stuff like that. And 
the film is it wasn't out in that many theaters, only 291, but it's already grossed two million dollars. Um, and we don't know how much it's got enough of video on demand, but the per theater to gross income ratio is quite high, higher yeah. than Need for Speed made this me- weekend. So who knows? Maybe we'll be um, on a future episode. We'll be talking about the sequel. Yeah, could be. Um, actually, I think uh, the CW had mentioned that they were possibly interested in some spinoff from the show. Oh, cool. Um, but I think perhaps, and I have to look this up, but I think it may have been an idea for like a web series. So I think that these kinds of things, and as we see different, um, I don't want to call them taking off, but because streaming and all of that stuff is definitely well entrenched at this point. But I feel like... Um, movie studios and I think I think that they haven't yet fully wrapped their heads around how things work yeah in terms and, of what in terms of what audiences want and how they want to access things and there's a lot and of, one ex- of the, like what and I get it and I get for certain shows like especially even on and this is not just like big movie studios I think you also see it with television series and things like that and I understand that there is a ton of you know, legal and pricing issues in terms of shows that are on HBO and Showtime and things like that. But, you know, this is the thing. I think people are willing to do like an iTunes buying per episode or an Amazon buying per episode, and they would cut down pirating tremendously if they made things available. Um, There's a lot of experimenting happening now. We've seen shows like Arrested Development come back after so long on a streaming model. House of Cards is purely streaming and is Emmy award winning. Um, There's a lot of experimentation happening now. Uh, Nights of Badassdom, as we reviewed um, a couple episodes back, that's video on demand. So interesting stuff happening. And also, also, if you I don't know if you well, you've just recently gotten into the whole Doctor Who thing, correct? Yeah, just a few months Um, ago. Well, what it used to be is that um, Doctor Who would air in the UK and in Europe whenever it aired. And then the US wouldn't get it on on, uh, like BBC here. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't get it. BBC America wouldn't get it until like a week or two weeks later. And then they realized like, oh, all these people are trying to get a hold of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, they want to know what happened because that's the thing with with social media and stuff. Things pe- things would get spoiled, and you would hear about things that you honestly just didn't want to hear about because your friends in the UK um, had already watched it ahead of you, which I think is also interesting because and they learned. I think they learned the lesson from that. The 50th anniversary was globally simulcast. Yeah. Um, the they, Christmas Day special as well, and they've uh, now been doing this the last few seasons where they have been simulcasting, and it's like. It's about time, guys. It only took you like how so, many years to figure it out. I think and, it's a, I think it's a good time to be a geek, and I'm hoping that this will maybe bring us a, a Buffy movie. Who knows? Oh, you know, we'll see. I don't know. We'll That's a tough one. I think. Well, speaking of which, I think it's time to enter the Infinite Crossover Chamber. Welcome. I think that was a good one. Yeah. Brought back the lasers. So um, we've got Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, going off against Veronica Mars, and have we figured out how the how we're uh, what the criteria is for this crossover? Conrad? Honestly, I think it's a little bit similar to our Wade versus Scott Pilgrim crossover in that I think we have to talk about how well each person embraces their destiny. 
Ooh, ooh, good one. Um, I like that. So, um, full confessional, I've seen. I'm f- about even equally as familiar with both genres, both franchises, which means I'm not that familiar with either. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a few episodes here and there of uh, Veronica Mars, a few episodes here and there of Buffy, but um, I know that you're a fan of both. Well, yes, and I mean, again, part of why I started really getting into Veronica Mars, um, granted, after the fact, but I really liked the fact that Buffy was a strong female lead. I will Mm -hmm. totally admit that I am not always a fan of Buffy as a character. Um, I tend to like the writing of the show and some of the plot lines and some of the things they did with the show more than I like Buffy herself, because quite honestly, I think Buffy can get super whiny and annoying, but... You know, I know some people will get very upset by me saying that, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so but but I think that both of these characters have some things in common in that um, they're they're leading. They they have a little bit of a gang around them to some extent. There's a bit of a Scooby Scooby gang around both. Well, And they even I mean, they call Buffy's gang the Scoobies. Yeah, so there you <laughs> a go. Lot. Um, but it's also they both struggle with different things, and and part of what they struggle with um, in different ways. Obviously, you know, Buffy's on a hell mouth. Veronica's, you know, in Neptune. Um, but they struggle with. I don't want to say embracing destiny, although I think that's true in, in the case of Buffy. But they struggle dealing with some really grown up things when they don't necessarily want to. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not just high school angst, but it's um, a lot, a lot of um, uh, humanities, inhumanity um, that both characters have to deal with. And, you know, the thing with Buffy, the reason why I didn't watch Buffy is back then I was very much a 100 percent sci-fi geek and I did not. I just wasn't into the fantasy genre as much. Mm. Uh Lord of the Rings changed that. Harry Potter changed that. And um, once I became a little bit more open to it, um, I've started to dilly-dabble in in this genre a little bit more. Um, But I I wish I did get into Buffy a little bit more um, back when it was airing. But the whole idea of Buffy isn't just that she's fighting these uh, physical demons, but the demons are really – it's a way of talking about – inhumanity and the the horrible things that humans do to each other and that's uh, it seems like part of her destiny is finding a way to face those things well it's a little bit of that and both veronica and buffy have this uh, you know veronica is becoming like she's basically becomes a, a private investigator because her best friend is murdered and and she gets date raped um buffy becomes a slayer because this is her She's born to do it. Like, this is her full-on destiny, but she's really not happy about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, and they're both they're both pretty popular before all this stuff happens to them. Um, and they both struggle with, um, with normal teenage life, basically. Um, and it's, I don't know, it, it's... There are similarities. You're correct. Like I don't. I, I think Buffy deals with a lot more things than just the monster of the week. Yeah. Um, well, and they both also the, the franchises are linked in a bit of a way. Uh, Joss Whedon has um, gone on record talking about how much he loves uh, Ver- how much he loved Veronica Mars. He made a cameo on yeah, the show. He did. Allison Hannigan was on the show yep. as well. Um, so the franchises are 
definitely linked together in that way. Well, and that you know, and I, I think Joss Whedon has talked a lot. I mean, part of why he wanted to have this show and this character, he really thinks that there should be more strong women, and you see that in a lot of the things that he creates, um, and you see it in Firefly too. Um, and you know, but but to get down to the to the the competition against these between these two characters uh, in the actual crossover chamber, I mean, I think that. Veronica, well, Veronica, Veronica Mars embraces her destiny, right? Well, I mean, yeah. isn't that the whole the whole story of the movie? It is, and I mean that's that's sort of she embraces it. It's not that she doesn't struggle because she does, and there's things that she finds out that you definitely get the sense that she wishes she didn't know. Um, but overall, I think she deals with the things in her life with a lot more aplomb than 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 Buffy Summers does. Um, but- but I also feel like, you know, like in, in Veronica's corner, she's got this great relationship with her father. Buffy has Joy Summers, who is just always, you know, annoyed at Buffy. And Buffy feels like she can't ever tell her mom what she actually is. And when she does, mm. her mom totally is judgy and horrible to her. Mm. Like, like, you know, I think I think Veronica has much more of a support system in place. You know, other than just her friends, which is pretty much all Buffy has. Well, and, I mean, not only is her dad um, emotionally supportive of her, but her dad is also in the same area. He's also right. a PI. He was a sheriff. He has this background. He can mentor her. Right. So it's like, you know, I, I think generally I would say Veronica is going to win this competition. But I also feel like Buffy's kind of like thrown to the wolves, you know? Well, I mean, but if... Okay, so there's a few things that I, in general, I like about Veronica. I think the character's a little bit more relatable because you don't have the demons, stuff like that. But, hold on, um, doesn't Buffy also, it, it seems like she's got a lot, she has a lot of forces that are pushing against her um, to uh, to embrace her destiny. Um, and it seems like she's a bit more reluctant about, uh, becoming this, uh, uh, vampire, anti-vampire person, <laughs> destiny role. Um, vampire well, she slay. does, but I mean, I think, you know, eventually she, she fully embraces it because she basically dies to embrace it and then comes back again and then has to embrace it again. And what? has to this embrace happens? being human. This happens to the show. Oh yeah, um, she dies and comes back, and it's was, pretty was that traumatizing. A se- was that a season finale? Like, oh, did yes. fans not know if she was going to come back? Um, I think that there is an idea, and some fans thought that the show would be canceled, but then they knew she was going to come back. Um, but um, it was, it was, you know, it's pretty weird watching her come back and then have to basically, okay, well, I embrace my destiny, but now I have to br- embrace being alive again. And embracing my destiny again. Um, So she eventually does do it, but it's always this thing with her. She always feels like, like maybe there's something else out there and she runs away from it a bunch of times too. Hmm. Um, So, but maybe, you know, to be fair, this is a destiny that was kind of forced upon her and she's not allowed to tell anybody about it. And Veronica, to some extent, isn't either, but she still has that support of her dad. And I think that that's one of the big, honestly, I think that's her biggest strength is this support. 
but we didn't see it. It's implied, but Veronica also, it seems like she spends like nine or ten years um, trying to run away from Neptune, go to Stanford or go, go to wherever she does for law school, try to go on a very different path in life. And she sort of is reluctantly drawn back because of her love interest and trying to help him out. So it seems like she also has gone through some of that as well, although we just don't see it. Yeah, it's more off off camera um, in Veronica's storyline. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm going to vote Buffy because she has to fight demons and <laughs> she has to kick a lot more ass. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, like Veronica has to deal with like rapists and things like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Buffy's demons are pretty terrifying, but I have to say some of the things Veronica deals with during the series are like, terrifying in real life no that's true and those are almost scarier because those are real things um i kind of want them just to hold hands and be friends to be honest with you i don't really want either of these people to win the crossover chamber i'll, I'll own up so to that. can we can we just say that it's a it's a victory tie because we we are both fans of both characters that's a cop out, but I suppose we can in this instance. <laughs> let's let's do it. So this round of the infinite crossover chamber is going to both characters who are going to hold hands and what did you say? They're gonna just be hang happy out. and friends together. Be happy and friends. <laughs> All right. So Maybe maybe Veronica can be, you know, a PI for Buffy or something. I don't know. But I mean, in all seriousness, we had we had a hard time thinking of a crossover beyond these two characters because there's not a lot of awesome smart kick-ass female lead characters who were who were um you know the leading the way of, of the show Well, you know you had a very interesting idea which i liked um chloe from smallville yeah but she's not a lead and so she's that's that's really hard to compare yeah. those two and then yeah. You know, I also was thinking a little bit Veronica Mars, Nancy Drew, but we already did our detective episode, so I didn't yeah. want to get. I mean, Buffy is a detective of sorts because no. she's and, and then, out demons, but it's like it's a little different. So you you also threw out Veronica Mars versus Bruno Mars. No, you which, did that. No, that was total Conrad. That was totally you. All right, maybe it was it. me. Maybe it was I, me. I don't. Remember. I loved it, but I couldn't think of a way to make that debate interesting beyond like the name of it. So, um, <laughs> so I, I wish we had more awesome, um, diverse characters like uh, Buffy and Veronica. So I'm I'm cool with the tie. I, I totally am cool with that because both are awesome. Yes, um, but I think I think that we can safely leave the the crossover chamber at this point. All right, let's exit the infinite crossover chamber. That was a similar noise. I think you have to come up with a new noise to leave it. I oh okay. Okay, I like that one a lot. Yep, that's the warp drive. So we're um, on top five TV to films. The way we define this is um, something had to be on television, and then it had to be a major release motion picture. So we ruled out made-for-TV movies. Um, and we also, I guess we also ruled out more streaming kind of stuff, and newer kind of stuff. Yep. But, um, yeah, uh, let's kick it off. And, Conrad. you know, again, you know, Veronica Mars can't be in this because we talked about it. Yeah. Um, and and, and Buffy, I'll also. 
I'll also say Buffy and Serenity are probably off the table too, since we've talked about them pretty extensively. Yeah, you've got um, Buffy is interesting because Buffy was a film to TV, so it kind of mm-hmm. took this other route. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are the rules. All right, uh, let's start out with your number five. Uh, my number five is something that I on, only really came up in my research, um, but it is the BBC television show Traffic, which led to the major motion picture Traffic, um, which was a, a pretty critically acclaimed movie. I think it came back in uh, 2000. Um, I really enjoyed it because it it took this idea of the drug war and it showed it from lots of different perspectives of um, different individuals who interface with this problem. And I think it it took something that a lot of people have a very uh, have strong feelings about and look at it one way and it delved into it in a much more complicated, nuanced way. I really enjoyed the film. I had no idea it was based on a TV show and I kind of want to go check it out now. Huh. I didn't I guess I didn't realize this either. Um my number five was a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, traffic is not lighthearted. Actually, most of mine are pretty lighthearted, actually. Um, my number five was the Brady Bunch movie. I thought you were going to pick this, so I left it off my list. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, I remember you talked about it in a previous episode. Um, the Brady Bunch movie was really a lot of fun for those of you you fans who grew up in the 70s like I did. Um <laughs> The, the great thing that it did was it put it into the modern day and it actually made it poked fun at the Brady Bunch, the series. Yeah. And it was really, really well done. Um, and I have to, to hand it to those actors. They did such a phenomenal job of playing it straight. Um, it was it was just a fun all around movie. So if you enjoyed the Brady Bunch, I highly recommend it. Nice. Good pick. Uh, number four, would you like to go first? Sure. My number four was also, again, well, it, it was a bit lighthearted as well. It's The Addams Family. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I haven't seen it in so long, so I don't even remember if it's good or not. Oh my I gosh, just, it's so good. It's so, is like, it good? Well, it's so, I mean, again, isn't it's, Christopher, isn't Christopher Lloyd in it? Uh, yes. And that's also, like all, yeah. that's all I remember. <laughs> um, and Angelica Houston is in it. Uh, Christina Ricci. Like it has some really great oh, people, wow. yeah. and again, it's like this tongue-in-cheek rendition, and it feels like a lot of the the at least from from this era, a lot of the the TV to movies tend to be a little bit more like not parodies, but just they're a little they're supposed to be a little bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's not it's it's poking fun at themselves, and these are definitely good examples of fan service, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's all it's like aha, you're gonna get this inside joke. Uh, let's let's do this, you know. Um, so yeah, that was that was my one of my faves. How about your number four? Good pick. Uh, my number four is Mission Impossible. Oh, good. Um, I, I love the TV show. Uh, my dad and I watched it all the time. Um, I, I was always fascinated by those episodes and it, it's one of those, um, 
major motion pictures, uh, blockbuster summer motion pictures that I re- I remember very vividly seeing. And I just, you know, the first movie is kind of about this mole and all of that. And I remember being like, oh, I don't understand it, but that was pretty cool. I like the train sequence. And then I like how they've experimented with the whole franchise. The, the second one was this over-the-top film that uh, I thought was amazing when it came out. I've rewatched it. It's pretty bad, but it's fun and how over-the-top it is. Uh, I think you know it's very much influenced by a lot of um, a lot of asian films and the kind of the style of the action and then number three went in a very different direction had a great um uh, performance with philip seymour hoffman Mm. um and number four um with uh, brad bird was an amazing action movie so I, i think it's a franchise that continues to experiment with what what it is and i've enjoyed the films a lot cool how about your number three my number three is The Muppet Show. <gasps> really? Do we have a mind melt? We do. Oh, what number is it for you? Number three. Oh, yes. But it's a Muppet movie, Ollie. Well, but I mean... Based on The Muppet Show. It's based on The Muppet Show. I'm talking about the show. Okay, okay. To, to the film. Yeah, exactly. And so there's been a lot of films that have come out from based on the television show. My two favorites are The Muppets Take Manhattan as well as um, the, the more recent The Muppets. I enjoyed both of those films a lot. Um, you know, they're just beloved characters and the films have continued to re- reintroduce them to um, new generations. And, um, you know, Jim Henson was uh, was a genius. Um, and I, ju- I love that these characters are still around and I, I love that uh, they're still beloved. Well, and it's also that those films and the writing with those films, adults can enjoy them as well as children. It's not yeah. just um, it, they, they understand that the audience is pretty broad and. Um, I even watching the Muppet movie, I feel like I rewatched it before the newest Muppet movie came out. And I was so impressed at some of the just the cleverness yeah. uh, of some of the references. And I was like, oh, Jim Henson, you're oh, so you're so good. So good. Um, and but, the music. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun. And oh. It gets in your head and it's 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 awesome. Um, do you want to do you want to hear my Kermit the Frog impression? Uh, sure. OK. Hi, everybody. I don't know, Ollie. Oh no! Okay, all right. Well, Got to work on that a little bit, but it's pretty—it's close. It's close. Um, I got—I have a Miss Piggy too. Cool. What is it? Oh, Kermit! That's—that's that, that's that actually—that's a little bit better that's than better? the Kermit. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll work on that one. Um, Send your Kermit the Frog impressions to info at <laughs> thefantasticnerdhour.com. We'll include them on a future episode. Uh, I remember how long it took me to figure out that Floyd in in the. Electric Mayhem was Pink Floyd because he's, oh. he's pink, you know, stuff like that. Um, so good. But uh, yeah, so Mind Meld. So number two then. Number two, what do you got? Uh, number two, I have Star Trek. It's my number one. I figured it might be, and I knew that it wouldn't give us a Mind Meld, but it is. And it's, you know, and there's so many of them that I can't really... There, there's a lot that I really enjoy, and there's different st- series, like movies that were inspired by Next Generation, and you know, yep. and then the more the more recent basic reboots that have come out, um, Into Darkness, and then Star Trek. Um, and I just think that this is a franchise that keeps on giving, and they're great TV shows, but they're also just phenomenal theatrical productions. So some of them are. 
as a trick. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not. Yeah. There are a lot, though, that have come out that are really great films and, and for, fun films. For and Wrath of Khan and I First know. Contact, there's a Final Frontier and Star Trek Nemesis. But uh, <laughs> True. that being said, it's yeah, it's it, you know, how could I not pick it as my number one? Um, I, I have to. Um, and uh, you don't need to know anything more than that. Like I yeah, I, I don't have to say anything else. All right. Well, what was your number two? My number two was Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, pretty uh, good. Yeah, the first uh, film was, uh, and now for something completely different, but there's been um, a wide variety of films that have come from um, that group. Um, and, you know, they've been compared to, and their influence on humor has been compared to the Beatles' influence on the mu- on music. And I completely completely agree with that. I, I think uh, many generations continue to discover um, all of those films, um, and uh, yeah, just uh, just great stuff. Hmm. So I guess I have to say what my number one is, huh? I guess so. I think that's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my number one is Batman. Tell me more. Um, <laughs> granted, we know that there are some films, Batman films, that are, and this is hard because, yes, we know Batman was a comic book and there was a lot of other things before it became a TV show than to film, but I remember just how excited I was to see, like, a live action Batman film. Um, well, and, and which film are you talking about? Well, come on. I, I mean, I think I am much more a fan of the Christopher Nolan Batman's um, just overall but I do remember you know just just first being so excited to see any of them be on the screen and just to wonder how they were going to make the Batmobile look and things like that Um, but but how is that based on a TV show Conrad well I I mean mean, Batman the television series was was very big at least very big while you know and we at least for for me it's big when I was growing up because it was on reruns all the time yeah, and they made a movie out of that too. But that was was that a major motion picture? The um, the movie that was based on the old Adam West TV show. Well, I mean, basically, Batman and Robin and and how they appeared in the television shows. They have made appearances. I don't think those are the best movies. No, but <laughs> but I do think that they are they are. There, there's an homage there on a lot of levels. So, all right, I, I think admittedly, this is a, I'm cheating this a little is a bit. Che- this is a cheat. I mean, this would this belongs in the best comic to film adaptation list. Um, Citizen uh, Kane. Oh God, here we go again uh, with the Conrad and the Citizen Kane. Um, this is this this will be this will go down in super fantastic nerd hour lore as being an equivalent. Cheat, no, it's not an King. equivalent cheat. Yes, it is. No. Batman, Tim Burton's Batman is based on the comic, not on a TV show. And then the TV show, if you, even if you go to Adam West TV show, that was still based on the comic. It all goes back to the comic, 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 comic. All but, right, all right. All right. But in terms of honorable mentions, we said we'd limit it to two. We got two quick ones. Um, I just from a, you know, I thought The Fugitive was a pretty good rendition. What's it based on? Uh, it used to be a television show. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it was oh, like cool. yeah, and so I thought that that was a pretty like it was a pretty cool idea, and I think you know it it, it 
you know, when you rewatch it, it becomes a little bit more cheesy than you remember it when maybe mm. you saw it in the film in the theaters. But it was it was definitely all oh, right. They did a pretty good job here in tying everything together. Um, and my second one would have to be X Files, even though I wasn't completely thrilled with it, but I liked the idea that they they had a film with X Files <laughs> that they decided they to two. do. They well, had they had two. two, but they were trying to wrap certain things up, and I I appreciated that. So. Yeah. Um, I have uh, two quick picks as well. Um, I have the Simpsons movie um, just because people were waiting for this movie for forever and it finally came out and and it was solid. It was good. Um, And it's just amazing that this franchise keeps continuing and it's been going on for so long. True. So just in terms of sheer sort of momentum, I'm going to put Simpsons movie as honorable mention. The other one is also based on an animated um, TV show, and that is Looney Tunes to Space Jam. Um, Just because that movie was pretty awesome to see Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan on the big screen together. I don't know about that. (laughs) Space Jam. There's been other films, too, based on Looney Tunes characters, but I I like that one. Um, It probably won't hold up too well if I watch it again. Um, But there you have it. Uh, Send us your top five TV to films. Um, Also, let us know all the ways in which Batman is not based on a TV show. Uh, (laughs) And you can contact us. It's more not (sighs) based... Okay, I have to We're go. Gonna, we well, have to well, get into this for one second. Like, I just feel like there is a huge there, that Bam, Batman is a big enough franchise, and people love that TV show enough that and and we saw a lot of things being remade. I guess you're correct. You are absolutely correct. But I don't think that you can just totally like throw out the Batman series. That's all. All right. All right, we shall let the listeners decide. Um, so you can contact us at Nerd Hour on Twitter. Check us out at uh, superfantasticnerdhour.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. You, we're on these things, and you must have found us somehow. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Conrad, where can people connect with you on the Internet? On the Internet. Uh, I am Die Prince on Twitter. And I also, on my other my other podcast um, that deals with all things zombie that's reanimated and that's reanimated pcast on Twitter or um, yeah and that's about it and I am the science fiction psychologist at brainknowsbetter.com you can also connect with me on Twitter at Alima2 and next month I'll be appearing live at WonderCon in Anaheim where I'll be on the psychology of Star Trek versus science versus Star Wars fancy uh, panel so yeah come come say hi uh we'll we'll chat and nerd out fancy fancy good times are you excited for wondercon i am very pumped um so we're gonna have we're gonna have to do a a review you're gonna have to tell us all about it We, we definitely will um and uh until then have uh oh yeah live long and prosper indeed Wow, did you just forget <laughs> what you were supposed to say? That's awesome. I got too excited. I got too excited about what it Nice. I forgot. See ya, folks. <laughs> <laughs>